Today on the show, we take a look at Christianity Today and why they want President Donald Trump removed from office. My name is Hayden Clark, and this is Help Me Believe. Mark Galley is the editor-in-chief for the popular news publication Christianity Today, which interprets the news in a Christian light or in light of the Christian faith, uh, mostly an evangelical Christian faith. And he wrote this article just over a week ago, which I'll leave linked in the description below. And the article was about why Donald Trump should be removed from office. Now, it's no secret that the evangelical community is pretty much split on Trump. Uh, many are his strongest allies. Many view him as an abomination and the Antichrist or something horrible like that. And many voted for him simply because they did not like any of their other options. Now, the specific article that was written by, again, the editor-in-chief of Christianity Today, Mark Galley, begins by reminding the reader why Christianity Today was founded. And it was founded by none other than the famous evangelical leader, Billy Graham, to help evangelicals interpret the news in light of their Christian faith. And the article then uh, quickly moves on to justify to the reader why they are straying from their typical approach. Now, what is their typical approach? Christianity Today, at least they state that their typical approach is to, quote-unquote, stay above the fray and not pick sides. Uh, Mark Galley, in a uh, interview he did with CNN, says that they typically don't commentate on politics or pick sides in politics, um, but they are today. And the, the typical approach is to not pick a candidate explicitly, that sort of stuff, or become partisan. They try not to be partisan. They try to be, uh, quote-unquote, centrist. Although, naturally, a Christian evangelical publication is probably going to lean more to the right and more conservative. But anyway, that's what their typical approach is. And uh, Mark Galley uh, justifies why he feels compelled to stray from that typical approach here. Now, if you've read my blog or listened to this podcast or watched the YouTube channel, whatever, for a while or long enough, you will know that my, what my stance is on quote-unquote bias. And that seems to be what Mark Galley's talking about here. Uh, they try to be objective and not have a bias, that sort of thing. We all have bias, and there's no reason to try to hide yours or, or pretend like you are the bastion of objectivity. You're not. You're not objective. Uh, you have a bias. I have a bias. Everyone has a bias. Now, it's obviously a good idea to be as objective as possible in your methodology, that is, in your approach to trying to uh, find out what is true. When you're trying to search for the truth, you should try to keep your bias at bay as best as possible, but obviously you can't, and you should state your bias up front. Um, you, you, you do have a bias, we all do. So I don't pretend that uh, Christianity Today rarely comes out and quote-unquote takes a stand on certain issues that it feels it must. Christianity Today, like everyone else, is biased. They have an agenda. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Obviously, I just said we all have bias and an, and an agenda. Me too. Uh, but for Pete's sake, don't pretend like you don't have one. So, for example, I'm a conservative Christian evangelical and most likely will be voting for Trump in 2020. Is he my favorite person on the planet? Nope. Um, didn't vote for him in the primaries in 2016. Um, but um, all the other options, that's who I voted for. So is that a false dichotomy? Maybe. Yeah, anyway, there's my bias out in the open. We can come back to that question later. But right now, let's look at this. What has made Christianity Today, or Mark Galley in particular, come out of its hole of objectivity to take a stand? Mark Galley states that the facts in this matter are quote-unquote 
unambiguous. And here's the, the quote here. It says, The President of the United States attempted to use his political power to coerce a foreign leader to harass and discredit one of the President's political opponents. Uh, speaking of Joe Biden right there. That is not only a violation of the Constitution, more importantly, it is profoundly immoral. So this supposed abuse of power is supposed to be the main reason that Galley came out from behind his desk of subtlety to take his heroic stand. However, rather than defend this quote-unquote unambiguous interpretation of the facts, he quickly moved on to an emotional tirade about Trump's tweets and past affairs with women. He didn't actually provide any evidence of the claim he made. He did return to this claim, this subject, briefly when he said, quote-unquote, we believe the impeachment hearings have made it absolutely clear in a way that the Mueller investigation did not that President Trump has abused his authority for personal gain and betrayed uh, his constitutional oath. So again, that's another assertion. Perhaps this time he will back it up with some defense, with some evidence, with some reason. But why do that when you can just make a comparison to Bill Clinton? He moves on to talk about how Christianity Today uh, called out Bill Clinton, things like that. So twice now, Galley has asserted that Trump uh, has abused his power as the President of the United States for personal gain without once appealing to any evidence at all. He, he hasn't backed it up once. He just assumes it. All he, has, all he has done is assert that the facts are quote-unquote unambiguous and quote-unquote absolutely clear. They apparently are so clear that he has no need to reveal them. What's interesting about the, the last Galley quote that I mentioned is the use of the plural we. Galley is unmistakably speaking on behalf of Christianity Today and making it clear that it's not just his opinion, but the opinion of Christianity Today as a whole, which was obvious anyway, but there it is explicitly. It is not just Mark Galley's opinion, but Christianity Today's as a publication's opinion that Donald Trump should be removed from office. Now, what I find appalling about this article is how it paints evangelicals that did vote for Trump or continue to support Trump even through this impeachment process. So check out this loaded statement that Galley writes. It says, That he should be removed, we, Christianity Today, believe is not a matter of partisan loyalties, but loyalty to the creator of the Ten Commandments. So supporting Trump's removal is now about... It's not about your opinion about the it's not about your political opinion. It is now about your loyalty to the God of the Bible, the Christian God. Now, now Galley could not have picked a more perfect word in the word loyalty. The word loyalty is a good English translation of the Greek word that is in the New Testament that is normally translated as faith. Whenever you read faith in the New Testament, you're probably better off reading loyalty as opposed to something like blind belief, which is what we a lot of people understand the word faith to mean today. It's not what it actually means, not etymolo etymologically anyway. If you go back to the Greek New Testament, the word is pistis, which means something more like loyalty. And Galley here is saying that um, supporting Trump's impeachment is about loyalty to the creator of the Ten Commandments. That is the God of the Bible. So does Galley really believe that if one votes for or supports Donald Trump, even through this impeachment process, that one is not loyal to God? Surely, if he was pressed on this, he would not make salvation conditioned upon support, or non-support, hopefully, of a president. Even if we tone down the language to that of just, like, obedience to God or something like that, it would surely still be an overreach. He's, he's exaggerating this, and um, honestly, it re reflects poorly upon him and not his detractors. Nonetheless, it is clear that Galley and Christianity Today, as he's speaking on behalf of Christianity Today, as he's made explicitly clear when he uses the word we, are excluding evangelicals who support Trump from the table of, you know, something like genuine Christians or real Christians or loyal 
Christians. We'll just go with their word, the loyal Christians. This is nothing new. Many Christians have been saying this about evangelical Trump supporters since the 2016 election. Galley is doing nothing more than pitching his tent in this camp, and he's using the familiar language that's already been used, like I said, since the 2016 election. What's abominable about this is that if you have to, in order to try to make your political point, say you're not a real Christian unless you agree with me, uh, to quote Star Wars, only a Sith deals in absolutes, that ultimatum is childish, and it has no, there's no room for that in civil discourse, threatening people like, oh, you're not a real Christian if you don't agree with me, if you don't support Trump's impeachment. That just shows the shallowness of your own argument that you have to resort to emotional ultimatums like that. That's childish. He continues this when he goes on in prophetic fashion to quote-unquote remind evangelical Trump supporters of where their loyalty lies, whom they serve, and what is at stake here. And what is at stake, by the way? What is at stake for supporting Trump through the impeachment process? Our witness, he says. Who will take us serious? This really seems to be the main concern uh, when it comes to, uh, this is a really uh, recurring theme from those conservative evangelical Christians who chastise other conservative evangelical Christ Christians for supporting Trump. This recurring theme of, what about our witness? What will the onlooking world think of us for supporting Trump? So what about our witness? Who will take us seriously? How will they ever take the gospel message seriously if we support Trump even through this impeachment process? So let me give a few reasons why this is a bogus line of argumentation. First of all, the truth of the gospel message is not dependent upon the character of the gospel messenger. If that were the case, none of us could be sharing the gospel because I have a whole list of sins throughout my past that would discredit me from sharing the gospel if we were to take this line of reasoning seriously. I don't take it seriously. Obviously, Paul could never have preached the gospel etc., etc., you could go on and on and on. So even if it were immoral to support Trump through this impeachment process, it has absolutely nothing to do with our ability to witness to the gospel. This is ridiculous. Secondly, the effectiveness of the gospel message is not dependent upon the character of the gospel messenger again. It is not, um, you know, if because I've screwed up or because I've done something immoral, um, therefore someone's not going to accept the message. That doesn't follow at all. That puts too much on me. It, it's not within my power that causes It's not my power that causes people to believe. That is God through the Holy Spirit working through the message of the gospel. Anybody can share the gospel message and it'd be effective. Uh, thirdly, if a person will only accept the gospel message on the condition that I publicly denounce Trump or something like that, or that I bend the knee to whatever political party they want me to bend it to, that person hasn't understood the message. Um, you've, you've misunderstood what the message is in the first place, and the notion that that would be the condition upon which you would believe the gospel is utterly ridiculous and really reveals a heart of idolatry, if anything. And lastly, and I can't stress it enough, a vote for Donald Trump is not a justification of all his actions and words. I repeat, a vote for Trump is not a justification of all of his actions and words. So what is true is true. It doesn't matter how it's received by these people whose witness we're supposed to be so concerned with. How people interpret a vote for Donald Trump is irrelevant to whether or not such a vote is justified morally or any other way. I mean, this is so blatantly obvious that it boggles the mind that some don't see it. Does Galley really believe that people uh, are voting for Trump because they have justified his immoral actions and words? If so, one wonders if he's been paying attention at all. Of course, people aren't doing this. 
I'm quite sure he doesn't actually think this, and what he's doing here is nothing more than moral posturing, because rather than make a valid argument, he's going to appeal to emotion and things like that, which is all this is. All this is just a big, fat appeal to emotion uh, and consensus and uh, our witness and stuff like that. None of it has any um, basis in logic and reason and rationality. None of this is rational at all. His words are nothing more than the taglines of a group that has been saying this all along, and now he just desperately wants to be included in it, obviously. So here's another question that Galley puts forward that I think is worth responding directly to because it's absurd. He says, quote, Can we say with a straight face that abortion, you gotta bring up abortion, right, if you're gonna chastise evangelical Christians, can we say with a straight face that abortion is a great evil that cannot be tolerated, and with the same straight face, say that the bent and broken character of our nation's leader doesn't really matter in the end? Yeah, you hypocritical Christian evangelical Trump supporters, how do you answer that? pretty easily. Literally, no one is saying the bent and broken character of our nation's leader doesn't really matter in the end. No one's saying that. Name one person that has said that it doesn't matter at all. Name one. I'll wait. What we are saying, and I'm putting myself in this camp publicly, sorry, with respect to abortion, is that if we don't vote for the conservative candidate that has the best chance at winning, we are more likely to get a president who will make our efforts toward ending abortion that much more difficult. That person right now is Donald Trump. Are we correct? That's up for debate. You can debate if Trump is the best chancer that we have, someone who could actually win the election and such forth. But these intentional mischaracterizations, ultimatums and things that Galley's putting forward are not helpful. It's not going to tell us if we're wrong or not because they're irrational. They have nothing to do with the debate at all. They're red herrings. They're emotional tirades. Again, it has nothing to do with anything. These false dichotomies that people raise against the pro-life position are embarrassing, especially for from somebody like Galley, who is pro-life, and I don't doubt that he is. We can support the candidate that is the most pro-life friendly, quote-unquote, while at the same time calling out his moral failures. I mean, this isn't difficult at all. It also does not mean that we must withhold support from him just because he has um, moral flaws and, and, and other things. And Galley says something about us being in a political poker game as if what we want is power is what he was getting at. Evangelical Trump supporters want to see the abomination that is abortion come crashing down. And part of the strategy for doing so is to win judicial seats. In order to win those seats, we must have a president who will appoint pro-life justices. This isn't because we want power or whatever or a theocracy or whatever gross misrepresentation galley or anybody else uh, wants to make. It's because innocent human beings are suffering and being committed to genocide and being murdered, and, and this is why we want to take this path. Is there more to being pro-life? Yes, of course, but there certainly isn't less, and the abortion issue rightly takes precedence over all the other issues because no other issue is resulting in the slaughtering of innocent lives at the rate that abortion is producing. Nothing else compares to this tragedy. So yes, some evangelicals like myself are willing to be viewed or witness, whatever you want to say, negatively by others for the sake of ending this genocide. Galley has made it clear he's not. He's more concerned with his quote-unquote witness, as he has made clear. So, at the risk of going too far, let me ask this. What is God more concerned with? The way other people view you, or the genocide of millions of innocent lives? The question is really, are you willing to support a president with a less-than-perfect moral life, no one's doubting that, for the sake of ending abortion? or not. Now some will say it's a false dichotomy, and to them I say, fair enough, but show me the pro-life candidate with a perfect moral life that actually has a chance at winning. I'll wait. 
Right now, a third-party vote is a wasted vote. We all know this. I'm not giving you the ultimatum that hey, a vote, a, a third-party vote is a, a vote for the Democrats or something like that. I'm not going to say that, but it's still a wasted vote. That person isn't going to win when you could have voted for the pro-life candidate that has a chance at winning. This option is for those who want to maintain their pro-life credibility and at the same time maintain with galley their witness before the eyes of their peers. Frankly, I don't care how other people view me. It doesn't matter to me one way or the other. Whatever option you take, far be it from me to question your loyalty to God as galley and Christianity today is questioning mine. Now, on to the, the response of this article. Uh, nearly 200 evangelical leaders wrote a scathing letter that I'll also link to in the description uh, to the president of Christianity today uh, in response to Galley's article. They called him out for questioning their loyalty, as I just have done, and their integrity toward God. Now, they also complained about something interesting. Uh, it was uh, Galley's description of evangelical Trump supporters in a book called Still Evangelical. I'll leave a link to that, I suppose, also. Um, and this is the quote from the book that Galley wrote. It says, Evangelicals who often haven't finished college, and if they have jobs, and in parentheses it says, and apparently most of them don't, they are blue-collar jobs or entry-level work. So the inference here is clear that uh, he's viewing these evangelical Trump supporters and people as dumb, lazy, and poor. If that's Even if that's true, it's completely irrelevant. One, again, that just keeps bringing up irrelevant stuff, irrational stuff. This is just an emotional, this is ad hominem, but it's just emotional arguments. In the same essay, Galley described himself as belonging to an quote-unquote elite class of evangelicals. Ooh, elite. <laughs> You got, you can't make this crap up. And and the, this letter uh, against Christianity Today or to the president of Christianity Today also raises what I view as one of the most important questions that needs to be asked of Galilee and Christianity Today, which is, so who are you going to support? Or who should we support? So surely none of the pro-abortion Democrat candidates. It's not enough to tell your readers uh, at Christianity Today, if you're going to explicitly come out and say you can't support Trump, then you got to explicitly say who you can support. And, and that remains to be seen. I can't wait to see what it is. So what should, it, what should they do? Should they vote for a pro-abortion Democrat? I doubt they're going to say that. Should they vote third party? That seems like a waste, but maybe that might be the best route to go. Or should they withhold their vote? So I, I highly doubt they're going to take option one or three. They, they might go with two, but more likely is that they won't do any of these things. Uh, I would be surprised if they did. Most likely they won't give an answer, uh, at least not as explicitly as they have uh, denounced Trump or called for his impeachment. Uh, so Because denouncing Trump is... Denouncing Trump explicitly is very easy. Everyone does it every freaking day, including Christians. Supporting another position as an evangelical Christian just as explicitly is going to, going to be very difficult with respect to their base. However, I would like to make a prediction. This quote-unquote witness that Galley and CT are so concerned, uh, uh, Christianity Today, sorry, my transcript is uh, says CT for uh, short, Christianity Today are so concerned with, uh, will not be satisfied until they do support a Democratic candidate. So let's not kid ourselves. When they say witness, uh, these people that they're uh, concerned about maintaining a, a, a reputable witness before, they're talking about people on the left. All right, let's not kid ourselves. And the quote-unquote left have made it clear that denouncing Trump will not suffice. That's just the beginning. You'll have to continue down this path. They're never. They're not going to be satisfied with, with just saying, yeah, we should impeach Trump. If anything, they're going to chastise Galley and Christianity Today for waiting so long to come out and say something so explicitly clear. 
They won't be satisfied until you support a Democratic candidate. I promise you. That's the way it always goes. There is no middle ground with the left. It's all or nothing. That's the way it's always been, and that's the way it's going to continue to be. So Franklin, Franklin Graham, a person that's always brought up in this conversation about Trump and evangelicals, uh, he weighed in on Christianity Today's uh, invoking his father's name, who, again, was the founder of Christianity Today. He said, quote, Yes, my father, Billy Graham, founded Christianity Today, but no, he would not agree with their opinion piece. In fact, he would be very disappointed. I have not previously shared who my father voted for in the past election, but because of this article, I feel it necessary to share it now. Excuse me. My father knew Donald Trump. He believed in Donald Trump, and he voted for Donald Trump. He believed that Donald J. Trump was the man for this hour in history for our nation. Obviously, such a uh, statement cannot be verified. I mean, unless you want to produce a document or something from Billy Graham's handwriting or something. I don't know. But it doesn't matter either. Who Billy Graham would support is completely irrelevant. This is like an appeal to authority or something like that. It's just as fallacious as the arguments that Galley has been making also. Not that Franklin Graham, Franklin Graham is necessarily using this as an argument. Uh, he's just bringing it up, I suppose. But one of the best commentaries on this article that I found was that of Julie Royce, who claims to have been calling for evangelicals to speak out against their immoral action, the immoral actions of leaders, quote-unquote, for the past two years. And I'll leave a link to this article as well. You should read it. And she says that she wanted to cheer for Galley and Christianity today when she first saw that they were standing up to power, supposedly. But she found Galley's outrage quite selective. And I thought, this is very interesting. The, the title of it was The Selective Outrage of... Uh, Christian Today or something like that. I can't remember what the title was. You'll follow the link in the description. You'll see it. And here's a quote from the article that she wrote. It says, Here we're, ga here we're Galley and Christian Today, an editor and magazine which have not only consistently failed to confront corrupt leaders, but have actually aided and abetted them, lecturing other evangelicals about supporting Trump. The hypocrisy was so blatant, I stared at my screen with my jaw on my chest as I read Galley's entire op-ed. Now, the hypocrisy of which she speaks uh, is an op-ed that uh, was published at Christianity Today by James McDonald titled, Why Suing is Sometimes the Biblical Choice, in which a justification was made for, and this is uh, Royce's words, quote, McDonald's unbiblical and morally repugnant lawsuit against herself, two bloggers, and their wives, and then she puts emphasis on their wives. So she has a whole story about uh, a process that she went through, and there was some... Uh, moral lapse in Christianity Today and uh, Mark Galley, and no one ever called these people out for their stuff, so she's basically pointing out to the hypocrisy. You can read about that in the links in the description. I talk about it in the article that I wrote on this subject, uh, which serves as the transcript from this, but I'm not going to read it all again. Uh, she also brings up the Robbie Zacharias uh, sexting scandal that she thinks was uh, possibly handled Poorly, again, another moral lapse of which she's using using to suggest that Christianity Today has a very selective choice of when they speak out against power. And then she comes to the question, but why the selectivity? Why are they selective in who they... So why speak out against Trump and not these other uh, Christian evangelical leaders who you did not speak out against? And in fact, she, in, in her own words, says, aided and abetted them. She says, quote, I suspect the reason for this hypocrisy is that Christianity today depends on the evangelical industrial complex to survive. It needs its evangelical advertisers and relationships with top Christian celebrities and thought leaders to remain in business. But Christianity today does not need Trump. So it's convenient to criticize Trump, who is not, quote unquote, one of our own or something like that. How convenient is it? 
As Galley told CNBC, three times as many people have subscribed to Christianity Today than have unsubscribed since his op-ed went viral. I'm sure that's just a coincidence. And here's another quote, quote from Royce. It says, Mark Galley and Christianity Today made a brilliant move, which has enlarged their progressive base and will allow the magazine to go precisely where it's been straining to go the past decade. And Galley's op-ed will likely launch him beautifully into a quote-unquote retirement repeat, replete with speaking invitations and opportunities to freelance for sec secular publications. Oh, by the way, Galley is on the verge of retirement. I forgot to mention that. So, are Galley and Christianity today seriously concerned with the moral shortcomings of Donald Trump to the extent that they feel that he should be impeached? Maybe they are. I don't know. But clearly, they overlook the other shortcomings when it is convenient. It seems much more likely that Royce's assessment is closer to the truth. It occurs to me that something is lurking in the background here, and that is the question, well, what is the truth of the original problem in the first place with the impeachment? What, what's the truth of the evidence that Donald Trump should be impeached? What seems to matter most here is, did Donald Trump abuse his power for personal gain? Now, it's not as if we cannot know. Galley is right. The matter is actually quite unambiguous, just not in the way that he wants it to be. Remember that he did not provide a single line of evidence for his claim that Trump had um, abused his power as the president for personal gain over and against his political opponent, Joe Biden. He simply made the statement and moved on to Trump's personal moral failures, making emotional arguments about Trump, whatever, his tweets and his past moral failures with women. We have the transcript of Trump's conversation with the Ukrainian president, who has, also, by the way, has explicitly denied any quid pro quo. And you can read that transcript. I'm going to leave the links in the description below, and, and you should definitely read the transcript. Read it, and you tell me. Did Trump abuse his power for personal gain over Joe Biden? Was there, is there really a, a quid pro quo that you can find in that transcript? I don't see any evidence of that, but make your own judgment. And I'm not going to leave you with an ultimatum that if you disagree with me, that maybe you're not loyal to God, like Galley and Christianity Today are saying about uh, more conservative or more Republican or to the right uh, Christian evangelicals. That's unfair to do, and I think it's childish. I'm not going to do it to you if you think that Trump should be impeached. That's perfectly fine. This is a political disagreement. I'm not going to question your loyalty to God. So as for Galley and Christianity Today, it comes as no surprise what they're really up to, uh, which was kowtowing to the left and more liberal evangelicals to broaden their base and grow their support. It makes sense from a business standpoint, sure. So how do they justify such a move? They push it back on, they don't want to harm their witness as Christians. For the reasons stated above, I don't buy that, I think it's bogus. This is simply Christianese for we want to be liked. It's time to call a spade a spade, Galley. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to hit the like button, subscribe, leave us a review, and of course, if you want to become a supporter of the show, just follow the Patreon link in the description below, labeled support, help me believe, and become a patron. My name is Hayden Clark, and this is Help Me Believe. Help Me Believe.